Passionate, driven, enthusiastic, euphoric. This is who we are as entrepreneurs. But how we leverage these incredible attributes to dream and build businesses that scale and grow is what this podcast is all about. Hello, I'm attorneypreneur Josh Brown, and welcome to Franchise Euphoria. Welcome to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you're a transitioning veteran, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone who's still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. So welcome aboard, sit back, and enjoy the ride. Today we're talking about franchising. Franchising might be a good way for you to go if you're looking to run your own business, but maybe you don't have your own business idea, or maybe you don't want to actually resurrect a business from scratch. Franchising allows you to actually run your own business and have somewhat of a corporate structure and guidance and other things in place on the day you start. Franchises have a tendency to be more successful than a a business that typically gets started from scratch. So we're talking with a franchise attorney today who knows a lot about franchising. And if you're out there thinking about starting your own business and not sure what to do, then you might want to consider franchising. So I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, Josh Brown with Indie Franchise Law, and he also has a podcast called Franchise Euphoria. John's an attorney that assists entrepreneurs in getting their business turned into a franchise. And talking with you before, you also, in the process of doing that and learning all about that, you've also gotten to know in the franchise industry quite well. And I believe once in a while you actually help people that are looking to buy a franchise or invest in a franchise uh, help with the legal aspects on that end too, or right? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I actually do both. It's funny when I first started um, practicing in the area of franchise law, I really only worked with people who were looking to buy franchises, the franchisees, the owner operators. And the reason I got into it um, from that perspective was quite frankly, those are the people who need it the most. I mean, the the franchisors uh, are typically well represented um, and they have counsel, but it's always the people who are looking to go buy the franchise and become the franchisees that for whatever reason, um, don't get legal counsel or they go to their, co- you know, their cousin's brother-in-law's, you, you know, to, to just have them review the documents real quick. And, and the reality is in franchising, it is so important that you get professional assistance because a primary difference between a franchise business and just a business you start yourself is that if you start a business yourself and you decide you no longer want to be a part of it, you just close the doors. That's it. And you move on. But when you're in a franchise system, the average franchise agreement is 10 years. Some are 15, some are 20. And there's a certain amount that are five years. But in any of those scenarios, you're locked in for a certain period of time and you're going to part ways with money up front. So you better make sure that that it's something worthwhile that, before you jump right in. Yeah, you know, I've been to franchise shows and I know people that have owned franchise actually considered it in, in the past myself. But I, I never realized, I, I guess a lot of people, they're spending so much money investing in the franchise the last thing I want to do is spend a bunch more money on legal representation. But when you think about it, I guess when you're spending that kind of money, you better have some kind of legal representation to make sure you're doing the right thing. 
can I just be blunt in my answer to that? <laughs> um, I, I think I think I think you you as a veteran and all your veteran listens will will appreciate this. That is just a bunch of crap, <laughs> and, and this is why. This is it's why. true though. It's so true. <laughs> it's so true, but it's so stupid. It is, and and the thing is, it's so stupid because. These documents are so one-sided in favor of the franchisor, and most of them have promissory notes associated with them where – or not promissory notes, but um, guarantees. Some do have promissory notes if you're borrowing money or utilizing the franchisor's finances, but all of them have personal guarantees. So where you sign up as a franchisee and you open up a business and – and and you buy the business with a, with an established let's say LLC or something and you think that you're you're protected or you're limiting your own liability well you're not because all of them have personal guarantees associated with them and a lot of times it's a husband and wife type of situation so you're personally on the hook for that business and the average franchise the average and and Trust me, it runs the gamut. I mean, you can get into franchising for as little as a few thousand dollars, and it can go all the way up to multiple millions. But roughly, if you're looking at the average franchise, it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of of a couple hundred thousand dollars. And if you go to a, an attorney in terms of reviewing the legal documents that knows what they're doing, it's really not going to cost you that much money. I mean, I know for myself, and look, this is not obviously a plug for me because I don't care who you go to. I just think you should go and get good, objective advice from somebody. Um, but it really shouldn't cost more than you know a couple thousand dollars um, to do that. And when you factor that in to the overall cost of a franchise at two hundred thousand dollars, that's why I say it's so stupid not to do that. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I mean, I, I I acknowledge that it is ridiculous that people think like that, but I, I myself have thought like that with a few things in, in the past. And, and that's why I can relate to it. It's you're like, Oh man, we're spending all this money. But you know, when you think about it, that's really the time you should be having legal representation because you're going in all, all in with that much money. But, uh, the, well, you know what it is, Joe, you know what it is not to cut you uh -huh. off, but what it is, is that people have this feeling and I get this. People say, look, the agreement is what it is. We're probably not going to be able to change much. So what's the point in hiring an attorney, right? I mean, that that's where I think people's minds yeah. initially go. Well, actually, I was going to ask you that question because if I show up with an attorney to buy my franchise, is the franchise company really going to change their documents and change the agreement based on my attorney saying that you got to change some things in order for me to buy this franchise? Well, the the answer is it really, it really depends on the franchise. I mean – it, are you going to have luck changing the franchise agreement with McDonald's? No. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 but but that's only part of the equation. See, that's the thing people don't think about is everybody thinks that you go to an attorney so that you can get a legal document changed or drafted or, you know, in the case of a franchise, you, you looking to make things change. The biggest part of it is understanding what you're getting into and fully understanding what the agreement says and what it doesn't say. And there's keys within franchise agreements, especially around, there's some really important things you need to pay attention to. For instance, territorial language, you know, how does the franchise define a territory and what are all 
what 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 is the meaning that it's putting around that definition and just being able to help a potential franchisee understand that um is really really important for them having a full appreciation of what they're getting into and any any good reputable franchise will tell you go go find an a, a good attorney or here's a recommended franchise attorney because you they want you to have fully vetted the process and they want you to look over the document and be fully educated on what you're getting into. Now, having been in this business for a while and seen both sides of the coin in the franchise industry, since this is a podcast that's centered around helping veterans transition to the world of entrepreneurship, the reason I wanted to have you on here is a lot of veterans do choose franchising as a way to own their own business. And it's, it's sort of a, a good middle ground if somebody really doesn't know what they want to go do, but they know they want to kind of run their own show, but yet they want to have a little bit of structure and some predetermined stuff and a reputable company behind them. So it can be a good way to go, but you obviously have to be careful and you obviously have to choose the right franchise. So I don't want, I don't necessarily want you to dime out some franchises here, but what franchises out there are the, that you have seen are some of the best ones for veterans to get into? Well, the you, the truth is, you're right. In 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 a lot of situations, veterans do make great franchise owners. But the question to start with is never what's the right franchise for the veteran. The question is what's the right veteran for the franchise. In other words, every single person, whether you're a veteran or you know, your typical civilian who's looking to find a business where you don't have to start from scratch, where you don't have to create the wheel, where you're taking advantage of somebody else's lessons and hard knocks, and you're essentially buying a brand and you're buying a system and you're buying a process that in theory works and has been proven to work in other geographic locations. I mean, that's what franchising is all about. But the fundamental question before you ever think about what franchise is going to be best for a veteran is you have to you have to figure out based on the veteran's experiences based on what they like what are their life experiences work experiences military experiences background what is their personality like right i mean mm-hmm. we know that with any small business and franchises are no exception that you know, for instance, if you're the type of person, and this is a real basic example, but if you're the type of person that can't stand retail or can't stand going um, shopping or being around people throughout the course of a day, then you would never want to buy a retail franchise. And that sounds so obvious and commonsensical, but there are thousands of people on a daily basis that do just that. Because what happens is they get sucked into the idea of being the business owner. And they don't take the time to really dive into the underlying um, business model for the franchise. And they don't take the time to figure out what's going to be best for them at that point in their lives. I think fundamentally franchises and quite frankly, there's a lot of uh, franchises that offer great discounts for veterans to get in, which on the one hand can be great, but on the other hand can lead to more disaster if they get into the wrong franchise. And so the question then is, what's the wrong franchise? Well, you have to, whenever you get into any business, as a franchisee, the chances are you're probably not going to have prior 
business ownership experience. You may or may not, but a lot of people do not. But you do have to have the ability to to manage people, to operate a system, and to believe in a system that you're operating. And I think fundamentally, any person who's looking to purchase any kind of business needs to ask themselves, can I see myself working in this business 100 hours a week? Can I see myself dedicated to this? Do I have a passion for this? And I know a lot of people talk about passion as the overriding um, concern. And and I'm not that person. I mean, I, I believe passion has its purpose. I think with a franchise, though, because you already have the economic model in place, you've you've got and you can establish the work competency. In other words, you can for any good franchise, it should be simple enough that you can go in and have a clear understanding of what they do. And so therefore, passion becomes all that much more important because you're going to be married to this business, even though it's a franchise. And I think that's a I think that's a, a, a fundamental mistake that a lot of people make is they think that they're just buying a business in their box, that they're going to pay the money, open up the door, put up the sign, and all of a sudden business is going to flock in. And it just doesn't work that way. And I would imagine that uh, being a lot of veterans out there, the other thing that needs to be considered when you're talking about what franchise is best for you is geographically, because some franchises are just starting out or some franchises are already locked out in certain certain geographic regions. So you're going to have to decide where is it you really prefer to live if you do have a preference, which is another thing that would weigh in on what kind of franchise to go with. Oh, absolutely. I mean, geographic location is huge, not only for for where you want to live, but for the viability of the business. You know, you want to make sure that um, from a proximity perspective, there's not too many of the same locations <laughs> opened up nearby. You want to obviously make sure that there's enough of a space um, going out into the future. Um, I think you also, a, a big a big area of concern, especially for some of the newer franchises or the ones that are just getting going, because after all, even McDonald's had to start from square one years and years ago. Sure. Right? So that, you know, everybody has to start from square one, but it's real important to vet the system. You know, it's really important before you buy a franchise to use common sense and also dive in deep into what the corporate structure is like. I mean, if the person who started the franchise, let's say the person, a person who started a franchise, his name is Mike. If Mike is the CEO, the chief development officer, the COO, the CFO, <laughs> the head of marketing, the sales, right? That's going to raise a red flag. But I've seen that. I've actually helped people in systems where they are about to buy a system. And I say, um, what's the corporate structure like? And so we walk through, and some of this information is contained within the franchise disclosure document, um, and it's required. And we dive into, okay, what happens if you have a problem? Who do you contact? Well, I contact Mike. Okay, well, what happens if you have a problem with something with the computer systems? Who's your point of contact at the company? Well, that's Mike. Uh, you know, and you start going down this, and you start realizing, well, what kind of structure are you really buying into? It's a single point of failure. Um, Exactly. Exactly. And so that not every, you know, not every franchise is going to be built out, obviously, like McDonald's, Subway and the ones that have been around forever and are the largest. But you also need to understand that part of what you're paying for as a franchisee, part of that upfront franchise fee is is going towards 
the entire system. And there's going to be problems in any system and you're going to have questions. I mean, whether you buy a franchise or whether you start your own business, the first six to nine months, there's going to be a lot of things that happen. You want to be darn sure that not only do you have a good point of contact, but that that point of contact is not going to be overwhelmed. You know, I've seen systems that are 75 to 80 stores deep. You know, they have that many franchisees. Mm -hmm. And you still have the original founder and creator who's answering phone calls and doing all these other things, running around in 50 different directions. Well, that's ultimately a recipe for disaster. <laughs> all right. So you've obviously learned the ins and outs of the franchise business by representing people that are buying franchises. But you're not really in the business of helping people to find the franchise that's right for them, correct? Yeah, it's, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not a, a franchise consultant. I think what ends up happening is depending on when people come to me, you know, in the process, like a lot of times, Joe, people will come to me early on where they're just trying to say, Hey, you know, I know I want to do something. It, you know, maybe they were, maybe they were laid off. Uh, maybe they were put into a forced retirement or maybe they're just tired of a corporate job or, you know, in, in your case, you know, people are coming back. Um, from serving our country. And they're saying to themselves, I want to get into something. You know, I want to feed that fire. And I help people decide whether or not, hey, do you want to go in the franchise route or do you want to go the entrepreneurial route? But when it comes to finding the exact system, I work, I sort of partner up with, with consultants that I know and trust um, to help with that. And, you know, I think that highlights an important point because in franchising, there's two different kinds of consultants. And I always talk about this and I think people need to know this. There are the franchise consultants that are independent and then the, the non-independent. So I have a, um, a good friend who is an independent franchise consultant. And what that means is when you go to him, he'll help you find the right franchise, but you're going to pay him along the way. But there's a whole host of other franchise consultants where you don't pay a dime. And so it's really, really attractive. And so you find a consultant who's part of a bigger organization. Well, you don't pay them a dime because basically they've got a big network of franchises that's associated with their company. And if they matched you up with one of those franchise systems, they get a big payday on the backside. If you end up signing up and, and moving through. And I know a lot of great consultants who do that. But you got to understand the motivations behind it. Yeah, there's a little bit and, of conflict of interest there, I would say. Well, exactly. And that's why, you know, you know, I obviously as an, as an attorney or as professionals, you know, it's an objective view of the franchise system. And when you go to independent franchise consultants, it's an objective view. When you go to the, your typical franchise consultant, it's just not objective. That doesn't mean it's bad. I don't want to lay that impression. I have some very good friends that are excellent franchise consultants and they're not independent and they do a good job of if somebody comes in and one of the systems within their own network is not a good match, they'll steer them elsewhere. And they won't benefit from it, but it's the right thing to do. But you just got to be careful because when you're talking about a, a, 
a significant amount of money that can be <laughs> that can be uh, paid on the back yeah. end to some of these consultants. You know, it can be twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars and more. And so there's definitely there's definitely the incentive there. But I think I think veterans really need to be careful in looking at the entire picture when they're coming back because it's real easy to just say, oh yeah, you're not you don't cost anything. Okay, sure, I'll just go to you. Well, make sure that you've checked that person out and checked their company out before you do that. So where would be the best place to start for a veteran who's just now considering doing something and they're, they're pretty sure they want to go into the franchise industry? How do they, how do they start looking? How do they identify the ones that are out there? Well, I think, you know, if they've already decided that they want to move in, into the franchise space, I think they can do a little self-assessment themselves to start. Um, I think they, they can figure out, okay, do I want to get into a retail franchise? Do I want to get into a um, non-brick-and-mortar franchise? Do I want to get into you know the senior care services? Do I want to get into the restaurant services? I mean, these are things that um, a lot of people can figure out themselves because they know themselves well enough. If you don't know yourself well enough, then I think the first place to start is to find a good franchise consultant that you know, like, and trust, um, or, or an advisor or an attorney, you know, um, or an accountant or somebody who, you know, like, and trust or a business coach who can kind of help you through that process, because those are really kind of self, self-realization items. Um, and I think once you move, once you identify Okay, I know I want to get into a restaurant retail franchise. Then I think it's time to then go seek out to seek out either your attorney and get and then get a consultant involved or, or seek the consultant and then get get an attorney involved um, to move forward with that. But I think it's I think it's really, really important to figure that out first and then move um, to the consultant or the attorney. I think it's there's so many options out there. I mean, I think a lot of people um, don't realize that, you know, franchising runs across the entire U.S. economy. I mean, I think I think the last statistic that I saw was somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, one in one in 20 employees work for some sort of franchise system. So it's not just that franchising runs through the restaurant space. That's just where they're most well known. You know, whenever anybody thinks of a franchise, they think of Subway, McDonald's, um, and so forth. But really one of the hottest, and I say hottest in quotes, um, one of the one of the hottest <laughs> sectors is the senior sector, because obviously you have all these baby boomers mm-hmm. that are approaching retirement. And so there's franchises popping up left and right in terms of senior care services, you know, some of which are non-brick and mortar where you're just providing um, home home health care services um, because a lot more people want to grow old gracefully in their own homes as opposed to going to a retirement home. Um, but there's other franchise systems that are retirement home-based systems. And so you know, that's an example of, of really trying to figure out from a personality perspective and from an experience perspective where you as an individual would be best suited. So the thing I got to ask is, I'm sure you know of some success stories in franchising. They've got to be out there. I've just always heard some of the horror stories where you got to be careful about you're not just buying yourself a job. 
the deck is stacked in the favor of the big company that owns the franchise. Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming you know some success stories. So you, you, can you actually make pretty good money or after that first, uh, you know, five year period or whatever, that where everything gets paid off, can you really be, uh, going to the bank with these things? Is that possible? Or is it, are you basically just scraping by and, and barely paying the bills with the money you're making? No, you can be really successful. Um, if you, if you get into the right system and you have the right opportunity, I mean, ideal, you know, that's one of the things that I really try to try to help people do is get into those right systems. Now, I think it depends, right? I mean, if you, as an example, to get into, let's say a McDonald's, well, first of all, there are few and far, far between opportunities right now, but you have to have over a million dollars liquid to even be considered for one of their franchises. Okay. So, but if you get into a McDonald's, typically, obviously a McDonald's, assuming you're in a good location and so forth. I mean, you can do really well with just one McDonald's, right? There's other um, franchises where you can do well with just one location. But a lot of them, I find you can do okay with one location, but where you really start to make a lot of money um, and do well is if you have multi-unit ownership. Um, And there's a lot of uh, franchise systems that are moving more and more to that model because they realize that in order to have the best system long term, they need to make it as profitable as they can for the franchisees while also making it profitable for themselves. I mean, there's always been this notion, Joe, and 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 you know, I read about it all the time years ago when I was getting into the franchise space, and it always struck me as interesting that there's always this, you know. It's like franchisors and franchisees just butting heads when in reality, it should really be like a partnership because the better a franchisee does, the better a franchisor does. Sure. Uh, you know, if a franchisee makes more money, that just means there's going to be more royalties flowing upstream to the franchisor. But what I find typically is that in a lot of smaller franchise businesses, like maybe your typical retail type smaller franchise or mm-hmm. um, if you're in a, a non-brick and mortar type franchise, you either need to have multiple locations to do to to um, to do well um, or you need to think of it as more of a part-time job. I mean there are franchises that are known as semi-absentee franchises where the franchisor will require that you have another job. Because they don't, they don't, it's not meant to be a full-time job. I mean, I think a good example of this would be like a great clips or a super cuts. And so I know individuals who own several of those, you know, I know uh, one person who owns, you know, 10 to 15 does really well. And, and it's, um, that's what they call the manage the manager type franchise, because essentially as the owner, your job is to find a really good manager for your location. And then as you buy more units, your job is to find a manage your a general manager to manage everything. And then essentially you're managing the manager. And once you can get that system down, you can do really well because you can take advantage of economies of scale. Um, and obviously if you're generating maybe a smaller net profit from just one location, if you have five, six, seven, or eight, and you combine all those together, you can do really well. So are there any franchise, franchises that don't actually require much in the way of uh, 
of, of employees. <laughs> and I'm not joking when I say that, because I would imagine most franchises have a lot of, are going to be, especially in the retail sector, the, the bulk of your work and frustration is dealing with the employees. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something that's actually becoming more and more uh, popular these days. The answer is yes, absolutely. I mean, there are, well, as an example, I mean, there are a lot of tutoring franchises where you can open up, whether it's a math tutoring or, or some other kind of um, specific skill. There are certainly tutoring franchises that have a brick and mortar component, but there are others where you can do it out of your home, where you're basically just buying the system and the brand and you don't need anybody else to do that for you so long as you're comfortable doing the tutoring. I mean, there's a whole host of, of I mean, one of the most popular, one of the most popular um, kids franchises right now is, uh, is Bricks for Kids. Um, and you know, they don't, that doesn't take a tremendous number of, of employees, um, for their operation. Yeah. You can do well, well with them. Um, there's a lot of, it really just depends on the sector that you're looking at. But the answer, the short answer to your question is absolutely. There are franchises out there, um, that you can operate where you, you're not going to be required like you would in a fast food or a quick service restaurant or something like that to have a, a lot of employees that tend to turn over a lot. Now, do you have any statistics where you can compare? Uh, I know there's probably isn't such a thing as a typical franchise, but in the franchise world, do people that go into franchising have a better success rate than people that try to go out on their own? That is a great question. I'm really glad you asked that because if you go online, you'll find statistics which would say that you know 90% of franchises don't fail or 80% of franchises are successful. And I think that statistic is very, very misleading. I think when you look at starting your own business for the first five years, when you look at starting your own business versus buying a franchise, the failure ratio is basically the same. And you, Interesting. You, it's not that once you get past the five-year period, um, I think you have a statistically higher chance with franchising. But one of the things that's left out, and the International Franchise Association um, has has uh, made us think about this as well, is that one of the things that's left out in the statistic in terms of failures um, in franchising, where you'll see a number like 90% succeed, is that in a franchise system, if your business isn't going well, I mean, let's say, Joe, you, you buy some franchise, you buy a sign shop, right? Uh -huh. And after, you know, you realize, whoa, my expenses are really high. Things just aren't generating like I thought that they would. And you want to get out of it. Well, short of you going bankrupt, you have the opportunity to sell to somebody else or to have the, uh, the corporate headquarters has the right to essentially buy back or take over your franchise. Well, when that happens, that's not counted in the statistics as a failure because there was no bankruptcy that was associated. Sure. To me, that's a to me that's a failure. Yeah, because as far right? as the individual is concerned, they tried franchising and it didn't work. Exactly, them. they tried fran exactly they tried franchising. It didn't work. That's a failure. That's not counted in some of those statistics that you see that are so heavily skewed to franchise success. Um, and but so you know, if you're going into it, I tell people, I say, yeah, you have just a good, you have 
the same chance as failing as you do, you know, starting out on your own. But what you can take advantage of are the fact that you have somebody else's else's systems in there. So it's not going to be as much of a headache because so much of your success, quite frankly, beyond the system, beyond the brand, you know, a lot of it, especially in the retail space, in the food space, is location and how good you are at managing everything. Because really, your typical franchisee, the best kind of franchisee is going to be just a really kick-butt operator and manager of people. Because that's really what you should be doing. You know, you're not having to develop the business model. It's already been developed for you. Um, your marketing in a lot of systems, that's part of a fee that you're paying. So a lot of your marketing is done, but you need to be able and be sure to do local marketing. So you have to, you have to be creative and be able to handle that. But in most situations, when it really comes down to, you have to be able to effectively manage the system. And it's so important. That's where territory becomes and geography becomes so important um, in terms of your success, as well as how much of a runway do you have? I mean, I find far too often people are undercapitalized when they get into business in general, but also when they get when they get into franchising, is they think if they can come up with the right amount of money just to get the thing open, then they'll be okay. But really, you really need to have, you know, nine months of a reserve. I say six to nine months of a reserve. And if you have more, that's all the better. So you either have to have that in a reserve capital or you have to have the ability to get that capital if you needed it. Oh, yeah. Um, so franchising is, uh, you know, no laughing matter or it's certainly not a, a guarantee. Um, and you're certainly not more protected in from failure, it's still pretty much back on, on the individual business owner's shoulders. But, you know, if you're one of those, if you're one of those folks out there that, that just doesn't have that idea, or you're not comfortable with striking it out on your own, you know, franchising uh, can definitely be a way to go. And, uh, you do have some backup and some structure already in place that can help you along the way. So, yeah, if you're if you're too entrepreneurial, I mean, if you're if you are one of those people, like let's take myself for an example. I would be a terrible franchisee, believe it or not. <laughs> I would be terrible. I'm always questioning procedures. I'm all I'm always I'm always thinking I could do things. Wait, better. aren't you an attorney? Could, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm a very entrepreneurial attorney, and I really, you know, I'm I'm very much the kind of guy that if I look back over the history of my life and my experiences, I mean, anytime I've worked in a larger organization, you know, even if I've done well, I've always gotten to a point where I've thought, oh man, I wish, you know, we could do this better, we could do that better, and it would just eat away at me, and it, and finally I realized, well, I'm I'm. I'm too entrepreneurial myself to even fit within a franchise system. And to a certain extent, I think, you know, people are born that way, but you can become that way too. And if you're one of those people that thinks that way, I like, I like Joe, it's, it always cracks me up when I, somebody will call me and meet with me and I'll talk to them about a system and, you know, they'll ask me questions and already before they've even signed, they're already trying to change the system. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> And, and I, I go, whoa, 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 whoa. You got to be real careful here because it's not that in a good franchise system, you won't be able to change things. That's not the case. It's just slow going. I mean, it's a corporate structure. They've got a model 
And the good ones obviously will listen to what your concerns are because they want to make their systems better as well. But it's not going to happen overnight and possibly not happen at all. So if you're one of those people that you're already questioning things before you even get in the game, boy, I would consider that long and hard before I'd pull the trigger. And to me, I'd say, I've told people, you should never buy a franchise. Go do it yourself. Yeah. And those characteristics you just talked about are like textbook characteristics of your typical entrepreneur, somebody that has to go do things on their own. And for the most part is certifiably unemployable. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just can't, it's just, if you're that, if you have that makeup, you're just never going to be happy. And it's going to be more of a headache for you to try to operate within somebody else's system, even if that system is a great system. It's going to be more of a headache and more challenging and ultimately disappointing to you than just going out and doing it yourself. Because quite frankly, if you're that entrepreneurial, you're going to have a blast doing it yourself, right? I mean, it's all about the journey, you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs. It's not about it's not about having everything perfect. It's about making those incremental steps and and um, and and the journey that you're on. So there, look, there are a lot of people who should just never be the franchisees. They need to be the people creating the businesses that then become the franchise. Yeah. And I've even, I've even heard of entrepreneurs that have gotten successful and they got up in, it becomes a company and it becomes a lot of structure and then it becomes the day to day grind. And all of a sudden they're not creating anything new and it, and it's, it's not, it's not the chase anymore. And all of a sudden they're like, you know, I, I got to get out. It, it, here's their baby that they created, but they can't just operate it on a day-to-day basis and do the daily grind. They have to go back and go try another startup because that's what they thrive off of. No, that happens all the time. I mean, I, you know, I work with, um, with people who turn their businesses and help them turn their businesses into franchises. And that's, that's something very, very real and serious that, that we talk about. And that's often overlooked too, but you know, people always think about, oh, I can't wait to turn this into a franchise because then I can expand and grow and, and we can do it this way. It's going to be so great. And I say, but you, and you can, that's to be true for sure. But it fundamentally changes that entrepreneurial, that entrepreneur's role within the company because now you're overseeing a larger brand instead of your one business. And as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it does get more like a corporation, which is the opposite of what the entrepreneur wants. And so, you know, you see a lot of businesses that are built up and built up to a certain point and then they get bought or, you know, a lot of some people uh, have the forethought to think about that, that they want to start a business. They want to grow it through franchising um, because they want to get purchased down the road and then go do something else. Okay, Josh, you're, you're a uh, encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to franchising and how it interrelates with entrepreneurship. It's been fascinating listening to you and I'll give you the last, I'll give you a chance to have the last word and make sure you uh, let people know how they can contact you if you're, if they're interested in your services. Well, yeah, thank you, Joe. Thank you. It, it was great meeting you at podcast movement. Thanks for having me um, on the show and, and, and thank you for your service and every vet out there for their service. And the one thing I want to, leave you with, um, and then I can give, you know, where you can find me is that if you're coming back from serving our country and you're looking to get back into the civilian life, take the time to figure out what's going to be best for you and don't rush in to a franchise because if you get in to the wrong franchise, 
you're going to lose a lot of money and you're going to be miserable. That's not to say that there's not a good franchise out there for you, but I think it's so important that when you're returning home and you're trying to get back in the game to really think about what's going to be best for you personally at that point in your life and where you want to go forward with your life. And if people just took the time to do that, I think people would 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 realize that some of them will be good for a franchise and then it's a matter of, okay, let's figure out what's the right franchise for you. And others will just never even consider it because it's not something that's good for them. Um, in terms of me, I've got the uh, best place to reach me is, you know, email. Uh, you can email me at uh, josh at indy, I-N-D-Y, franchiselaw.com. I love hearing from people. Um, and uh, yeah, so don't hesitate and, and tune in if you'd like to my to my podcast, which is called Franchise Euphoria, which comes out every Tuesday and Thursday. And uh, we do some interviews. We do some uh, shows, just myself providing some some franchise tips of the day. And I recently brought on a a co-host um, who uh, we just have a blast together. And he actually has and still is in corporate America, has been there for 20 years and has a background in operations and management and marketing. And so between the two of us, we add some really, I think, interesting perspectives to the franchise space. Well, Josh Brown, it's been great talking with you. And uh, thanks again for being here today and sharing your knowledge. Well, thanks, Joe. Keep up the great work. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. Thanks for being with us today on the Franchise Euphoria podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to go to iTunes and provide a review. Also, please remember that although Josh Brown is a licensed and practicing attorney, nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as legal advice, because it is not. The information contained in this podcast is general and educational in nature, and none of it should be relied upon as legal advice. That being said, if you have questions for Josh and would like to contact him, please email him at josh at franchiseuphoria.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you tune in to our next weekly episode.